Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops, with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops, for psychological operations, is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think, and ultimately, how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. to the 311th episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 311 consecutive weeks of mediocrity, self-aggrandizement, and just other things that I'd like to try and come up with with words that really matter and people give a shit about. But let's face it, we've done this 311 weeks and counting, and we're not stopping. We can't stop. There's something wrong with us, and that problem might be my co-host, Matt! Bucks and six, motherfucker. Yeah, I had to get that out. What's up? I don't know what that means. I'm assuming yeah, you're it's not going to know what that means. It's sports ball. Yeah, if it wasn't in a movie about sports ball, then I don't know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I was like World Series, you'd be like, oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where the Cleveland Guardians were going to take it all the way to the pennant, man? It's goddamn right. That's where the Guardians are taking it. Get oh on my them god, too. the Guardians win it! <laughs> I don't know if it carries the same oomph, but I'm still glad they changed it. <laughs> no, it's. I believe it does carry the same oomph. Yeah, 
It's the Guardians. Well, especially if Euchre says it. Well, Euchre says that anything carries the same oomph. Well, from my understanding of it, it's the name was chosen because of two really badass statues that are in the city that the folks in the city are proud of. Yeah. Therefore, flipping it from the offensive word for a Native American to a significantly less offensive word that also refers to a statue, which is, you know, made famous in the city. That makes sense to me. Now, is it that that word is offensive to Native Americans? Or was it they were just mad that, you know, a predominantly white companies making money off of their name like that? Because, like, I get the Washington football team's name. That is definitely was a racist term for the longest goddamn time. I don't know how that lasted so fucking long. That's disgusting. But just- I thought with Cleveland, their main problem, the main problem was, uh, number one, really a white company should be making money off of that without giving a shit ton of it back to some some you know group for native americans but also the big problem was their mascot yeah. which was highly racist that's what i'm gonna that's what i'm getting at is the yeah. the mascot was definitely highly racist the the name and everything that they were using it for and just using a people as your mascot in general a mascot is supposed to be a thing or an animal whether it's yeah. a, an imaginary creature or whatever or something along those lines a mascot is well it's a heralded thing you know i could see where some folks may take umbrage with a team named the Vikings at some point. I could see that. I'm not Possibly. saying that. I'm not saying that that's ever going to happen, and I'm not saying that people might la- yeah. laugh them off the face of the earth for that. But I could see that where you could take umbrage with that. Mm-hmm. I could. Now, the name itself, I feel like referring to someone by a nomenclature that was given by someone who was only there to take their land and enslave them, which is what Columbus and those guys mislabeled them as, right? It's it's. It's true, yeah, they label them... I don't know how you can label them that when they thought they were the Indies. The, they thought they were. Yeah, the they Indies, thought they were. They were thought they were near the India, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, so, it's the Indies because that word, you know, calling people from India uh, that word is acceptable. That's I mean, because that's where they're from. Uh, I, I don't believe be, that's still the preferred nomenclature, though. Is it not? No, I, but, I, like I said, that's why I'm careful not to use it. I, yeah. I'm, I guess I'm not exactly sure either. I thought it was, but yeah. Well, uh, I mean, or, or people. From from India, I guess. I don't know what their... Yeah. I, uh, I th- they might actually go by what they want for their religion status. <laughs> I believe I found yeah. the problem with our show, too, my friend. What's that? We, we get off topic and start talking about things that literally nobody but us and <laughs> other s- social justice warriors, no flakes care about. very true. Other people who care about this shit. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Either way, it's good on Cleveland for, for getting rid of that shit. And uh, I'm quite proud of uh, yeah. the, the, the team for doing so. And go whatever baseball team matt was all excited about because he was excited about it so we'll, uh, that was actually basketball so but yeah, but thank you it's it's already over bucks won so we're fine everyone's happy okay is that like a a, a team for you like from your specific the, region or some shit it's the milwaukee bucks yeah they they uh, okay. they won the nba finals for the first time since uh they had uh since 1971 Okay, see now that okay, yeah. That that That's, has that has some historical precedence to it. Yeah. Nineteen seventy one, the last time the Bucks won the title, it was with a particular player they had drafted. His name was Lou Alcinder, who would end up becoming Kareem Abdul Jabbar when he converted. Wow. Okay. Well that's that's history for you folks. Uh sports yeah. history for those of you that actually care. And by the way, Matt Syop is full of all of this kind of information and has a setup were he to actually get off his ass and do it. He could make a sports desk podcast with him and his buddies talking just like this, but he never has the gumption nor the motivation, no matter how much I've tried to kick him into gear to do it. 
I got a lot of problems in my life, Court, and um, yeah, it's not good. So, <laughs> primarily, those problems are a lack of motivation to do anything other than drink. Uh, uh, I don't drink as much anymore. Now it's just you know laying on a couch and living in existential dread. I find that to be a particularly nice high. <laughs> Dude, that's where I live like every day, and I still manage to produce this show once a week. Well, you're a better man than I, Court. <laughs> well, now that you're willing to admit that, we can move on and let's start talking Phantasm 4. Phantasm 4, man. Oblivion. Oh, right. So we had a discussion about it, and now is when it's going to have to be the most prominent. But we were talking about the ever-dwindling after the ever-increased budget, right? From yeah. Phantasm to Phantasm 2 to all of that kind of stuff. Now, I kind of got an idea in the, the wilds of my brain where I was going to pre-look up Phantasm 2, 3, and 4's budget so we could kind of discuss that, but failed to realize that I was going to want the budget for Phantasm 1 to kind of be able to sort of compare this. Now, I'm not doing any in-depth um, analysis or anything like that. This is the estimated discussed budget that's available on IMDb when I'm quoting these numbers. Yeah, so, I, saw, I thought I saw on Wiki it was for this particular just wait. Hold your water because that's part right. of the discussion. All right. The original Phantasm was estimated at $300,000 for budget. And Damn. seeing the film, that is 100% believable, but every single cent is on screen. I told yeah. you, Don Coscarelli's really good. I could have told you that was would have cost a million in the 79 and you would have probably believed me. I would have. <laughs> yeah. I, I do not disagree with you on this. Yeah. All right. Now, Phantasm 2, he gets some money. They throw three million at him. Damn. Right. He gets three million to make Phantasm 2. And I would argue with you that every fucking dollar of that is on screen because it definitely looks agree. like they spent a lot more on that film than they did. Yeah. All right. So then Phantasm 3, we already discussed that deal. Uh, the final budget for Phantasm 3, however, they were able to pull it together the total estimate is two million five hundred thousand okay so they lost five hundred thousand dollars and they didn't get a uh, theatrical release it ended up becoming straight to video and it was gone back and forth about what they were going to do now four years later when it's time to do phantasm four the budget significantly decreased yeah this yeah. was accomplished for a little over twice the original phantasm budget this was made yep. for six hundred fifty thousand in 1998 ish around that time in the late 90s when budgets were ever increasing even for direct-to-video stuff and i would argue that were you not to look it up you probably would have believed that this film had a budget of about twice as much i i would have yeah the, the, I mean, they get everything on this thing, man. Yeah, it's literally everything is on screen. And we will talk about it, but not, this was a, a thing that I was discussing. But the judicious reuse of materials and elements goes one step beyond and becomes mind-blowing Yeah, with what they do in this film. This film really does, like drive you nuts i'm gonna tell you but in a good way like you are just this film goes everywhere well it's uh title oblivion i think really kind of works well for what we're dealing with in the film yeah <laughs> it, it feels like there's an oblivion coming well and this was supposed to be the one and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more too but this was supposed to be the one that was going to answer a lot of the questions that the other three proposed mm -hmm. and it certainly does and then i think it was billed as like you know you can see the origins of the tall man or something like that or you'll learn more about yeah 
the tall man or something along those lines. And you there, do. there is, there is a lot of that as well. But uh, Don Coscarelli being the, the writer that he is, uh, he intentionally leaves us with not only more questions, but with reshaping the entirety of the story of the first film, when we'll, we'll talk about it too, through this judicious reuse of footage and sort of fleshes out a world and gives us a flashback that actually existed, but wasn't in the original film and no one had seen it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. A ton of used footage, uh, footage, for um, stuff that was never in the first one, but you can tell was actually shot then. Right. And it's really incredible the way that they judiciously reuse this. And also, there was some really excellent character motivation and development there. The actor interactions were really touching and beautiful. But what it was intended to be, and then what it gets used for, is so beautifully changed. It again goes to show you that Don Coscarelli really knows how to use the language of film to his advantage. And I agree. Again, I'm only saying the budget now because we both watched it and hopefully everybody who's listening to this has now watched it. And then when they realize the budget, if they haven't realized it beforehand, we haven't really spoiled anything with them. But I'll tell you, man, I don't know how much some of the explosions and other things that they were using in this film would have cost back in the day that they made it in 1998. But I feel like nobody got paid for this. I feel like everybody that did this took some back end pieces off of it, right? Must have. I mean, Jesus. Because literally every dollar is something visually on screen and it's really hard to believe, but it is. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's damn near upsetting. <laughs> you feel bad for some of these guys. Yeah, you want you want your actors uh, and actresses to get paid for the work that they're doing. But uh, Phantasm yeah. for Oblivion is definitely going to be one hell of a discussion. And I, I, I don't want to fucking edge him anymore. Let's just get this over with, right? Yeah, let's get it into it, man. This will keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You caught me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing... All the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars... You can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room.
Okay, so I kind of maybe took the score right out of the movie this week. Just terrible. (laughs) Well, you got to do what you got to do when you don't really have any other access to the soundtrack and you want to keep using the film's score to kind of show how it's evolved. This film definitely had way more of a score, but again, it's still borrowed heavily from the other films and a lot of elements, including in this trailer. Phantasm. The delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a terrifying motion picture experience. For 20 years, the secret of the spheres has remained a mystery. Now, two innocent people are about to confront the ultimate evil. The final game, I'll begin. Sci-fi horror with balls coming soon, Matt. Yeah, boy. Not a bad anger shrimp. Not a great, but not bad. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Phantasm 4. Oh, Bolivia. First uh, 20 minutes, we start uh, cars driving through the graveyard. We see the tall man walking through a mausoleum. Uh, Good portion Mike's, of this is reused footage. Yep, Mike's driving the car. His eyes are going all ball-like, you know, sphere-like. And it actually, well, we get some narration from Reggie. It's going to be our first clip. Where he came from, nobody knows. His evil spread like a plague, destroying towns, maiming and killing. We called him the Tall Man. At first we thought he was just an undertaker. His hordes pillaged graveyards, rooted up the bodies, spirited off the dead to a place worse than hell. We were just three friends. Jody was taken from us, turned by the tall man into an alien form. His younger brother Mike I've tried to protect as he's grown. The tall man wants to transform him into one of his kind. My name is Reggie. I was an ice cream vendor by trade. Now, I'm a soldier. A soldier in a war against his army of the living dead. On his own, Mike fled into the wastelands, trying to escape the transformation that was taking place inside him. His only hope to somehow uncover the mysteries of the tall man. As for me, I was left deep in the catacombs of the tall man's lair. Mike left me 
Wow, that's a really great saga sale. One thing that I need to talk about, and I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to do that in, uh, because we have now gone through four of these films, and I can confidently state, now watching these as is, you could come into this series, at least up to this one, I don't, I, I'll have to watch Ravager again before I can say this definitively for this, but for these four films, you could come in at any point in the series in these four films and be quickly brought up to speed with a little saga sale at the beginning to where you don't necessarily have to watch the other movies and you are going to have a good time and this film is going to suck you in. All, I agree. All four of them are going to do it. Yep. Now, yeah. I don't know of another franchise that we've talked about that we, you and I have specifically covered before that has had that consistently where every single movie so far, again, I don't know about Ravager. We'll have to see when we get there, but we'll make that assessment then. But every single movie so far stands on its own. You could enjoy it as its own installment of the film and be completely satisfied with just that version, but it's going to make you want to watch all the other ones, but you will be able to just jump in at any point at these four, any one of them. I'm not sure there is one. I think this is it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really think of, I'm like trying to think of any of the franchise stuff we've done. Um, maybe, uh, the, the Dead series by George Romero, where you don't need to watch the, you know, they can all kind of stand on their own. Yeah. And they're not, well, they're, they're kind of a franchise, but they're not really a franchise. We just kind of made yeah. them one because it's all Romero that's, dead. That's films. true. I guess when you're talking about like one, two, three, four, right. Like type things to make made, a franchise out of made to be sequels that actually yeah. have stories that pick up where the last one left off because yeah, these totally right. do. I don't think there is one. I, I would say I would submit to you that if you were going to say the Romero films are in fact just a franchise, um, the only difference is they don't have a through line that's so obvious. You can find it if yeah. you look for it. You can totally look say, for it. Yeah, but I, I I don't think we haven't covered them yet. But I would say Friday the Thirteenth's one of those franchises where each one can be its own standalone, and you know that kind of thing. For a franchise, yeah, but they don't really but have don't the over, they don't have the overarching story with it too, though. They're yeah, all that's true. To- they really don't. They're all totally just remakes of the original, but with a guy yeah. with a hockey mask who keeps getting more and more brutal. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, I like I said, maybe, man, I was just trying to think of something. But maybe, maybe the Evil Dead series because I think you can jump in possible. anywhere. Like that. Could you say Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, yeah, that's more of a that's more of a through line story than this one. But we haven't covered yeah. we haven't really covered all the Nightmare yeah that we haven't covered that. Yeah. So that I, I, I guess I was just looking for okay anything. so maybe but the maybe i don't know i don't know if nightmare on elm street from beginning to end has been as entertaining as phantasm has a phantasm has been beginning to the end yeah this okay like I'm, I'm feeling really confident in saying this i think this is like the perfect fucking franchise like this is how I, you do it i think so <laughs> especially with adversity in your face with budgets and shit yeah all right well we, we can move on i just i just i just i had that revelation just watching this film um and i wanted to talk about it and it, it kind of happened here with that saga sal where i'm like jesus you like at least with these four you could pick them up at any of the movies and you'd be fine you totally I would completely agree i completely agree well i mean all right so we see the tall man he lets reggie go actually and says uh that you know you know it's not his time yet he'll get him when it's time and now it's time to go and be careful why he plays the end game uh mike is driving and he's kind of narrating for reggie not to come for him um as we see when he's driving the towns are all abandoned uh we see things happening in the back of the hearse mike's driving uh the old blind lady there's an old blind lady sitting next to him uh at first i thought, I thought that it was, was the grandmother from the first yeah, movie that 
it was callback the from the first one. Yeah. But then we're going to get another thing where she she might be something of a of a constant throughout time later on. Yeah. He then remembers the day when the tall man uh he remembers the days like of town he you know he goes through a memory of you know remembering the day before the tall man showed up and then he remembers the day the tall man got there and uh the, the tall man runs over a fucking dog um we see a dwarf in the car uh in the in the back of the hearse that Mike's driving so you kind of have this these weird cutbacks um then Reggie's trying to change the tires in the muscle car, and Jody shows up. Jody tells Reggie to head, uh, you know, head uh, southeast, and Reggie's kind of done with fucking Jody, and really kind of done with this whole fucking thing. But he decides he, he's got to do this for Mike, and he's going to head southwest. Um, see, uh, then all of a sudden, Mike and the tall man, they actually, like, have a short conversation, and, uh, because the tall man's in the back of the hearse, telling him that, you know, he's, you can't really run from him, all that. And then the tall man gets in the casket that's back there. Uh, Mike actually stops the car, gets him back, he opens up the casket, and it's just like a red light, and then we cut to a cop pulls over Reggie, and he's like, wants your, you know, he gets his documents, his uh, driver's registration, he walks away. Well, now Reggie's sitting there for a while, and no one comes back, so he gets out, and the cop's gone. Well, he opens up the cop's trunk, and he finds a cop, all folded up in the back, in the trunk, asking and begging him to kill him. Well, we see a demon in the cop's uniform, and they fight. Um, This is a pretty cool fight, and Reggie's trying to get I the shotgun. I didn't think that was a demon. I think it was just a uh, heavily stitched back together monstrosity of, like, a humunculus that the tall man made that could be too i i, I just it looked demony to me but uh yeah but, you know the, i don't know if there are such constructs in the uh in this world well uh well here's the problem right like all cops look like monsters to me anyway so like i didn't really i couldn't <laughs> differentiate between the one i was supposed to feel sorry for that was folded up in the trunk and the one that was evil because they're both evil to me i gotcha well, I mean, you know, hey, you're going to do what you got to do. Yeah, it just I found uh, this whole sequence extremely confusing because I was like, what? It was- the cop's just being a cop. <laughs> well, the cop's on top of the hood and Reggie, unable to get the shotgun out of the lock, just starts firing it. And then he gets off of the gets out of the cop car. The cop, whatever this monster is, is still coming at him. So he pushes, stabs him in his gut with a nightstick, throws him in the back seat. Then he blows up the cop car using a road flare. Uh, this cop still walks out falls he's dead and that's the end of the first 20 minutes that first 20 minutes goes like a snap it is nothing but action from go 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 with including some of this kind of very weird you're very disoriented in the first 20 minutes because you go back in time you're back here it, it's a very disorienting 20 minutes i want to specifically to state that i feel there is a reason why oblivion is cut like this and jumps around in this very fractured narrative that jumps through time yeah. Um, I believe that we are inside a mind that is having memories and this is how the memories are flowing like all at once and just jumping around in time of a life I think is what's happening and it's possible I believe this is Michael's memories that we're jumping around in because he is the focus of this movie he, yeah he is the bulk of this story and Reggie's just sort of trying to track him down and being the comic relief in some cases when he's on screen because you know the fight with the cop is hilarious 
hilarious and entertaining and fun and he's still kicking ass and he's still a badass but i mean there's he's kind of the butt of the joke in some of that stuff with the cop too it's very yeah. splat stick and reggie's getting you know stuff spit in his mouth and everything and yeah like yellow shits all in like on him and shit like that right like we're having a good time when reggie's on screen and he's you're providing the comic it's, relief. It's very much Evil Dead, like right, but or, or Army of Darkness, maybe more than I don't, I don't know. Evil Dead Two, Army of Darkness, right? But like what we're seeing with Mike, there's a lot of symbolism going on here, where he's trying to flee the tall man in a hearse. Yeah, which um, the background is constantly changing. There's things that are constantly moving in the background or popping up, and Mike's always seeing things. And at one point, he can grab the wheel, but he can't steer anymore. He's not even able to drive. And the tall man said he shouldn't even try to fight because he's yeah. going to end up where he's supposed to end up. And then Mike just kind of abandons driving the car for a good portion of the film. And mm-hmm. you don't know when you're seeing stuff if he's still dr- being driven in the car in these moments. Is the car still going? Did he stop it? Yeah. Or is he... At- the destination that he ends up at that we see where the car is stopped and then starts you know and and, and yeah. then sticks around for a good portion of the film uh at what point in time when he is in this fucking hearse whether it's inside or outside around the hearse at what point in time are we and does time even exist wherever mike is because mike's not even he may not even be in our dimension at this point yeah uh, mike could be it, or is he here and is mike asleep at the wheel so he's just in his mind now right well i feel that he is i don't nobody's driving his body he's not allowed to he is literally can't even control the hearse that he's locked in nor get out of i mean yeah. that's a very symbolic meaning that mike is kind of comatose and trapped in his body or something along those lines you know something's good mike has it's um it's not it's his reality like, it's anymore. almost like how banner uh david banner uh describes it in thor ragnarok where he said i always felt like me and the hulk each had a hand on the wheel well right now mike doesn't really have a hand on the wheel no he's not choosing anywhere where he's going or anything that's yeah. happening to him but he's but he thinks he is and that's his, also a problem his he thinks he has control yeah and his perception of reality is extremely warped and we can see that but he can't and yet he still thinks he has this and it becomes extremely confusing to see him progress like this by the point where he ends up crawling in the back of the hearse and then jumping in the coffin as well and then we jump through time even more and things get weirder like by by the time that fucking happens like you really are going to really be confused and you realize that what's happening in this movie is something that you're not going to fully understand and we're going to be jumping around in time and you got to put the pieces together in your own head so they are literally shotgun blasting plot pieces at you like a puzzle that you then have to put together in your head. And if you're not prepared for that, you're not going to enjoy Oblivion. Yeah, right. You, you, everyone has to be on their guard here. Like Don Coscarelli. ready to do some shit. Don Coscarelli knew he didn't have money, but what he did have was the ability to fuck with your head. And that's what he chose to do with the amount of money that he had. And I would say the first 20 minutes does it adequately and prepares you for like, oh, fuck, I'm in for a ride. Yeah. Like shit's going to get weird. And you can. It it definitely does. (laughs) And you can tell it's going to get weird. And like you're either in for it at this 20 minutes or you're not. And if you don't enjoy like this first 20 minutes, you better fucking strap in. Because, oh boy, does it get weird like I promised. But if you didn't enjoy this 20 minutes, you didn't enjoy the rest of 
the, the previous movies. That's fair. You can't phantasm. Yeah. If you, I, I don't think so, if, if you, you jump are, in on this yeah. film alone and you don't enjoy this 20 minutes, you're not going to enjoy the rest of oblivion. Yeah, there you go. All right. I got you. Yeah. If you've never maybe watched but if you watch phantasm, uh, the other previous movies and you like it, you're already into this 20 minutes. Well, you just are. Well, not only are you into this 20 minutes, but like you're into this 20 minutes, like way more than you fucking should be. And you're already yeah. analyzing every little thing that you're seeing and trying to figure out what's going on, which I freely admit I do every fucking time I watch this. And more importantly, we also got to talk about one thing. We lost the kid. Yeah. Yeah. We lost star Kevin McAllister who would kill adults. So. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we knew Rocky was going away, but she's definitely not back for this one either. And there's no explanation as to what happened to the kid. Yeah. No, none. I mean, he was grabbed, so he's probably dead. I just say that. I never cared. I didn't either. All right. So we start the next 20 minutes. Mike, he wakes up in the hearse and now he's in the desert. Death Valley. Uh, we see a dwarf as he like kind of looks around. It kind of reminds me of Star Wars. A dwarf would around in the kind of like the cavernous areas. Yeah, um, the Jawas, right? Yes. Uh, Mike then goes back to the hearse, opens up the casket, and finds a suit his size. A suit much like the tall man wears. It's exactly like the tall man. It even has the yeah. little like tie-tack gem. Yeah. That night, Mike uh, decides he's going to go ahead and write a will uh, and uh, his last will and testament. And that is our next clip. Reggie, I don't yet know why he's brought me here. Feels like I'm at ground zero of his experiment. There is one escape from him, though. And I've got a plan. When the sun comes up, I'm going to force him out. See if I can't take him down with me. That screams of a mad, desperate man who is essentially giving up. Yes. Uh, Also, since Mike is writing a last will and testament and it's clear that he is willing to die, uh, I would just like to state that this is a man looking through his past, examining himself and preparing himself to let go of life. And I believe the fractured narrative that we're seeing is how your mind wanders when you start thinking about life, particularly when you go to a dark place like that. I don't disagree at all. And Uh, the more fractured the narrative goes, the more it is what is changing in Mike's frames of mind. Yeah. Okay. We're we're in accordance of that. Um, yep. I, I think Mike's uh, Mike's has accepted his destiny, for lack of a better word, and he's he's now going to do whatever he can to stop the tall man. Now, and he thinks he's got a pretty good handle on how to do it too. Now, the narrative when it starts jumping around like it is like this is basically your your memories jumping around and and as you're thinking back on your life, um, and that continues in this film. And I'm glad that you are going with me on this. That that. That's the reason why it becomes this jumbled of a narrative, because they use this device again in the next film or something similar to this device where the fractured narrative happens. And I believe that it is a way of telling the story from the perspective of a character. And that is why it is like that. And I feel it's the same here. And I'm glad you're willing to go with me on that journey on this one, because that means that five, you and I are going to probably be in accordance and this will probably be the greatest full franchise fest we will ever record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, I can't tell you this as well. Uh, he is, uh, as he's right this, we see two dwarves are outside of the car watching him write this. Uh, Mike then dreams of the tall man operating on him. And then also, of, uh, they're in the Civil War. So, okay. There was some <laughs> There was some outtakes from 3 reused there where the tall man's operating on him because that was in 3, that same yeah. device. And then they go back in time and the tall man is operating on him in the Civil War. Yes. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. 
all right. But I mean, I mean, it, this shows you how different things can be right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I believe that um, there is a out of space and time matched pair of foes. One that is supposed to be a hero and one that is supposed to be the villain that has been going on since time immemorial, since, since the beginning of any logical sense of being. Uh-huh. These two beings have been trapped in this constant battle. And we are seeing them here as the people we know them currently. It yeah. just so happens that this is in Civil War times that they are the same two beings locked in a battle. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I think this movie gets extremely cosmic with the stuff that it starts showing us and also multiversal, like yeah. very seriously mar- multiverse stuff with this. So I believe that they are trying to state that there is like these two destined beings through all of this. And we know them as Michael and the tall man. And this is just a widening of showing you just how far this rivalry, this this battle for the soul of, I don't know, sentient beings in every multiverse that they live in. These two are locked in a battle everywhere all at once through all time. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So uh, the tall man, while Mike is laying there in the Civil War times, he comes back and he's like, okay, well, he or he shoves like a metal rod all, all the way up his nose. So, uh, ow, that, I bet that hurt. Um, Mike then wakes up and uh, he goes outside and finds one of the doorways, those those little metal rod doorways. Um, we cut now to Reggie, who's leaving a rest area, and he sees a lady. Uh, she's in her car trying to start it, or she's getting set to start it, and Reggie just gets in his own car and leaves. We see Reggie then, has grown as a person. He didn't immediately try to sleaze on her. Yeah, I mean, not yet, but it's, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> Significantly better than the last film so far. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, <clears throat> then back in the middle of the desert, Mike decides he's going to hang himself, in which he does. And the tall man shows up, and he pretty much tells him, you can't really get away from me that easily. And then there's a flashback, this must have been old footage that they did not use in the first movie, of Jody and Mike actually hanging the tall man together. They hang him from a tree. But that night, uh, a young Mike goes back, and the tall man says to let him down. He says, no, you're destroying the world. And the tall man promises to leave. So Mike takes a knife that's on the ground and cuts him down. Um... And then we cut right back to Mike being hanging there and his rope breaks. The tall man tells him he's been waiting a long time for Mike and Mike cannot kill himself and that he must now come with him. Uh, Mike then uh, makes a, a doorway appear, it seems, using his mind, and he runs through that. Uh, uh, and then, but however, when he does that, the tall man smiles. So apparently that is something he definitely wanted to have happen. And that's the end of that 20 minutes. 20 minutes go by fast around here. Can I, can I ask you just one question? Uh huh. What the fuck is going on? I don't fucking know, man. Um, <laughs> Mike now has special powers. Um, the tall man needs Mike for something. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, okay. I'm confused. Okay, so the tall man may have been a sawbone surgeon during the Civil War and performed some kind of weird um, lobotomy thing pumping Mike full of the yellow fluid, we're assuming. We couldn't really tell because it was sepia tone, but that looked like what it was. 
Um, was this, you know, Michael turned into a ball back then, uh, and then he replaced that Michael with the Michael that we know from part three at some point between part two and part three, maybe, I don't know. Or is it the, you know, creatures that exist out of time and space that are always doomed to be locked in a battle for the, you know, uh, safety of sentient beings, you know, that, that kind of like a hero journey thing. And we just get to see one of these many tales and then we get hinted at how this exists through all of space and time <laughs> in multiverses you know like it, Maybe, it's but, hinted at that and you know those portals are they taking us to another world or are they taking us to another time are we staying on the same planet are we going to a different dimension um are we switching over to a universe not unlike ours but just a variation um, you're hurting my head is what you're doing but the question that i'm asking is just a natural thing because we don't know we're not we're just this is just we're jumping around we yeah. think it's in time but it could be through another dimension or it could be through a multiverse that's just a variation of our own perhaps you know time moves more slowly in the ones that we're seeing in the civil war and mike is just crossing over into these other universes okay we know mike has the same colored orb in his skull from the last movie as the tall man does um while his eyes turned silver the globe in his head the sphere in mike's head was also gold and it's clear when he was given the suit that the tall man is um grooming michael to become like him i think the tall man is leaving michael to do his bidding on earth or to do his the the planet it's bidding on earth so that the tall man can go off and do something else i think he's done something along those lines there's some kind of a torch being passed here so the ball is the same and michael feels that he's in control of himself or at least still has the ability to but we know the ball's there and we've seen the eyes even in this movie so they've reiterated or hinted at it or they've shown it like in flashback of being taken out and then shoved back in he's had visions of stuff like that happening with the ball in his head or nightmares of it whatever but he's definitely still being groomed to be turned into the tall man and i feel like he's being allowed to run on this quest through his life so that he can just let go of who he is thinking that he's going to win even though he's doomed and yeah. At every turn we see the tall man wants him to do the stuff that he's doing. Everything. Yeah. Like, and this completely rewrites even all the way back to the original movie where literally, like at this point, I believe the tall man has always been in control and just been tormenting Mike and everyone else all this time. This is just a distraction to amuse him during the boring recycling of bodies into parts that they can use for war and, you know, colonization. <laughs> Like this is how he kind of this is kind of how he amuses himself. And then Michael's now being groomed to take over. And so he's been basically grooming him all along and also entertaining himself while doing it. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's I'm led to believe that the tall man may just be the most evil villain that we've encountered on this show. And he continuously wins and he's terrifying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everything about this movie just kind of rewrites all the previous movies in your head, just like all the previous movies did to you with the movies that came before them. And yeah. what this is doing is reframing all of even the most sweet, innocent interactions that you enjoy in the first movie and it's even doing it to Michael where his memories of hanging with his bro and all this fun stuff and like how many times that he thought he defeated the tall man and won and now he's seeing that no that's not the case you know 
in the original yeah. film they bury him alive in um in, in like a, a mine shaft and then like dump a bunch of rocks on him and we saw that in the film but watching them hang him like this while i'm watching it my brain goes wait is this how they killed him in the first movie where did this come from you know and like you start to question the reuse of this footage makes you really question why you haven't seen this before because it clearly exists and should be in the first film because it looks exactly like it you know it's stuff yeah. and you know it's stuff that they shot for that movie but then it they fit it in this narrative so seamlessly where they they just throw stuff at you but it still kind of fits or they'll have michael thinking about the time that they hung the tall man and we had no idea that this happened until his memory flashes back to that and here he's trying to die he's literally trying to kill himself rather than give himself up to the tall man and is being told he cannot do that yeah so i admire michael for trying to fight but at the same time i feel like all he's doing is just honing his craft and his powers so that the tall man can more rapidly prepare him and that's why the tall man is allowing him to behave like this because michael's not in control at all it's obvious <coughs> and he thinks yeah, he is yeah yeah it, it, it's quite obvious he's not in control at all <laughs> he's just given up he's just basically like look i'm not giving up fuck you no matter what you do no matter how crazy this gets i'm still me and i'm still in control and i admire that like what else can you do in the face of all this stuff that the tall man throws at you this onslaught this lifetime of just terror and dread and questioning your own ability to understand everything that's going around you like yeah right like just completely warping your reality on a regular basis and changing the way that you think and or are able to perceive the world around you and like how many years do you put up with it before you turn out to be like michael is here uh, um that's what I guess that's all dependent on each person who gets into this. Yeah. Like I don't blame him at all on this, but like watching it from outside of him, I'm like, dude, you were so playing right into his hands while you're doing all this. But I'm like, you know what? What other choice do you have? Just fight. Yeah. <clears throat> Keep fighting. Maybe you get lucky. <laughs> right. Like that's all. And it, like, it just, it does. It does. It feels so fucking hopeless. Everything about it is so fucking hopeless. And yet you still want to cheer for him and congrats to the filmmakers for pulling that off. Cause that's a difficult, place to put your audience agreed all right well the next 20 minutes uh we see mike comes through the doorway he's like in an old-timey office uh so this is quite weird it definitely a different period of time um then uh uh he walks around the old house and he finds a human oh it looks exactly like the tall man and that's our next clip can i assist you have we met i don't believe so have you traveled far wouldn't you like to sit down? But let me offer you some lemonade. We don't receive many visitors, and your clothes are different. You don't look like you're from around here. Did you make passage through the dimensional fork? You're him, right? Jebediah. Jebediah Morningside. I've been waiting for someone. Someone like you from... Jebediah! Please, don't leave. There's so much you can tell us. Things we need desperately to know. Dimensional fork. So there's definitely interdimensional travel, and wherever this dimension is, he hasn't become the tall man yet. But isn't it just dimension or time? Is it like a TARDIS fork? Yeah. We're going to go through either dimension, time. Time and anywhere. relative dimensions in space, yes. Yes. Um. This is obviously the tall man before he became the tall man um or a dimension like where the tall man is just a normal human being who just so happens to develop some of the same technology yeah 
but he seems like a very nice man right now. So, um, Mike, and also the, you hear this woman go Jebediah. That is also the blind old woman who's in the car right next to Mike. So, it, I mean. Who may or may not have been the blind woman who was the grandma in the first movie who was giving advice to Michael. Uh, does she go all the way back to that? Does this mean that she was the tall man's mother or possibly wife? And she is also trying to oppose him. And that's why she showed up in the first movie and why she's back now when Michael needs her. <laughs> or, or is she here to help? The tall man. Is that why she had to keep, like, she sent Michael and told Michael to do stuff? Yeah. Saying. Yeah. Was I she mean, a setup all along, which I wouldn't doubt because the tall man is quite that devious. So possibly, you know, yeah. and it's just being revealed because Michael is now powerless to stop it. Sure. I'll go along with you on that one, too. Like, all I do know, Matt, is that I have no idea what's going on when I watch this movie. I'm, I'm, I just keep trying to figure out what it is that I'm seeing and if I can believe my own interpretation of it. Yeah. Very true. Uh, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to lose my mind trying to figure it out. Everything that Uh, I am also saying whenever I'm trying to interpret the film is my most recent stream of consciousness thought about it at that moment. And will also change probably the next time I watch it. Uh, it, No doubt. (laughs) No no shit. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's definitely um, a fact on that. so, uh, when Mike tries to go through the doorway he came through to begin with, it's much more old-style looking. It's steampunk. It's got gears to make yeah. it work. Uh, unfortunately, he can. It's not working. So he has to start it up, and then he, you know, he obviously makes it work then. And uh, after that, he um, is able to get through. Um, and he's back in the desert, and now there are numerous doorways now. Uh, and, uh, Reg, they're driving, and he drives that lady, he's passing her, and she sees him, they smile. Well, she sees a, uh, turtle on the road, and she swerves to miss it, and in something that's been done in almost every movie, a car hits a hardcore rock and it flips. Um, yeah, I almost thought that was like reused footage, but then I realized, no, it's not. And then I'm like, Jesus, how do they pay for that on a $650,000 budget? Uh, I mean, her car was a piece of shit. Okay. So they just got a crappier car and then let the stun people fix it up. Okay. Maybe pretty much. Yeah. But Jesus, that was intense though. And the explosion was great too. I don't care if it was a piece of shit car before that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) So, um, Reg goes to get her. Uh, to pull her out before the car explodes on her. And he tells her, you know, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you a ride to the next town. So, you know, uh, nice guy, Reg, of course. And he, he, he kind of conducts himself like a gentleman in her presence for the bulk of this movie. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he saves her. I mean, yeah. for the bulk of this movie, he's, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. For the bulk. So, um, <laughs> there is one decision, but I feel like we can talk about that when it happens. We cut back to Mike. We see Mike. Uh, he's kind of laying there, and he sees he's got a, a dwarf on him. Or not dwarf. I'm sorry. A, uh, a scorpion. And he kind of flips the scorpion away and then crushes it with a rock using his mind. Then he sees a dwarf, so he does the same thing to the dwarf. Uh, Mike now has telekinesis powers, apparently. So uh, good on you, Mike. 
you know, uh, uh, hope everything works out. Uh, I highly doubt it. Uh, <laughs> if nothing else, then because uh, this is um, Phantasm. So uh, <laughs> we've kind of seen the tall man use telekinesis, but it's just been kind of implied that he yeah. had it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, Mike is basically developing the powers that we've already seen the tall man kind of use or be hinted at that he can use. Yeah. Um, not, not, that's, that's a fact. Uh, so it's not that out of the blue or that it's that weird because they've already been establishing, including a very obvious tip off of them giving Mike a suit that looks exactly like what the tall man wears. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also Red saying the tall man wants to turn him into him, what he is. Right. So, so. showing that Michael is gaining all of these powers, I don't feel is all that weird. I really don't. Yeah, I guess, I guess not. Um, but he, he has them and now everyone's got to, you know. Uh, he's, but he's, he's getting used to him now. Mike works on the car and Jody shows up. Mike pretty much kind of accosts Jody at this point. He does not, he no longer trusts him, says as much to him. He does not trust him, says he doesn't really think it's his brother. Uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of ask him like, what is he? What is he doing? Jody provides very little to almost no answers that make any sense to Mike. He's being real sus. Him. Yeah, real fucking sus right now. And Mike goes back to working on the car uh, uh, for an adventure we'll see here in a little bit. <laughs> that should be pretty nice. Yeah, he's like digging at it and tearing it apart. And like, I feel like we should have seen him working on the car as a kid since we were already yeah. using some flashbacks where like he's working on his brother's car and is actually tuning it up and doing some shit. But we don't. And then we just kind of have to remember, oh, yeah, he's super handy because the uh, actor's not selling it nearly as good as the he did when he was a kid of him working yeah. on cars. That's true. Reggie consoles the young lady named Jennifer and says he'll give her a ride to the next town. Um, Mike, while in the desert, finds the knife that he actually used to cut down the tall man. Uh, Jody tells Mike how he was taking, taken from everybody and turned into what he is now. Uh, again, Mike does not seem phased by this exactly. Um, he appears to be pretty much like, uh, fuck you. I don't trust you. You know, it's, it's very much, it's, it's not like how it was when he was, uh, when he was very happy to see Mike. Uh, before, uh, that, uh, those days are over. Yeah. Um, Jody reappearing in this film, Michael is very acoustic and very untrusting of him. I feel like we are not given a reason for this in this film, other than all of a sudden, Michael is just like even more aware and has gone through this weird spiritual journey. And we're just supposed to believe that like he's now more enlightened. And so he's seeing something in this jody were being presented that he didn't previously where all he could see was the brother that he lost yeah yeah i agree with that okay um so uh mike then sees uh even more doorways now more doorways are popping up in the desert um and then he finds a certain part in the car that's almost like half a sphere that he's really was wanting to work with reg and jen they drive up to a uh, abandoned motel every town's kind of abandoned they uh they're gonna sleep there and um 
Red says he'll. Red tries to make the best of it. You know, he goes go to some room. Look, we have uh, modern t- TVs and all this kind of shit. You know, and he tries to he tries to have fun with it. Yeah, he's trying to poke fun at the room. Um, she didn't want to stay there because it's a creepy abandoned motel, and I can't say I blame her. Um, yeah, but what she doesn't realize is there's nothing around them. Right. Like, and he's trying to explain like it doesn't matter how far we go. You know, and I've been driving for sixteen hours straight. This is the best that we can do. He does yeah. tell her that, and the way that he presents it is like. Like, look, I can't drive anymore. It's going to get dangerous. It's going to get ugly is what he says. He needs to get some sleep. He needs to sleep or else he's going to crash. Right. Now, it's not blatantly stated that she wanted to share a room with him, but he said he had two sleeping bags and then we just cut and they're already in a room together. My assumption is that in a creepy ass motel, you at least want to be in the same room with someone that, uh, you know, is going to try and keep you alive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, at this point. Uh, we see Mike has made a brand new sphere after that cut. And then, uh, we cut back to Reg and Jen again, and they talk, and that's our next clip. You're telling me there's some tall man clearing up entire towns, and he's got your friend. Yeah. I've been tracking him for years. He's one tough hombre, too. He's got these little dwarf critters. Yeah, he shrinks them down from... What? Yeah. Haven't you wondered why you haven't seen anyone all day? Can't you feel the stillness in the air? Tall man's real. And... And... And, uh... I think he wants nothing better than to populate our world with the undead. No way. In your dreams, Reggie. If you only knew. Nightmares aren't real, you know, and neither is your tall man. Give me one of your shirts, will you? Mine's too rank to sleep in. Yeah, sure. I think I got it. Spirit here somewhere. You know, you really shouldn't dismiss the tall man as just some sort of ghost story. You've seen some of the stuff I've seen. You wouldn't be able to deny the evidence that's right in front of your face. Thanks. You believe what you want. And I'm telling you, I've seen him. I've lost friends to him. Lady, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I can tell you this, that old bastard's going down. I don't give a damn what fucking planet or dimension he's from. His balls are mine. You sound so demented. Yeah, I guess I do. So, anyway. I like you, Reg. And that was a great story. But I make it a policy never to get personal with someone who has more problems than I do.
Uh, yeah, so she's changing kind of in front of him with, like, this weird shower curtain situation, and she keeps, like, turning around. So, like, the creepy reactions that you're hearing him do is when he takes notice of her turning around to talk to him or, you know, standing there on the other side of the curtain while talking to him, like, drawing his attention to her and sort of presenting parts of her body out on the other side of the curtain. Uh, yeah. I... I feel like this is intentional given what happens later on. Um, but they're doing it in such a way as to make it like a coy flirt thing. And then yeah. she closes it with the cap of, well, I don't get involved with people who have more problems than I do. Which, while she's saying that, she's kind of like almost completely on the other side of the curtain in just her underwear covering her chest. This is true. <laughs> so, like, it, it's this weird sort of dichotomy thing that they're doing here. But I have to admit, uh, for the most part, Reggie's being pretty respectful. Like, if yes. you're talking to someone, you tend to look at them. So, like, is she's standing on the other side of the curtain he's not like thinking that she's coming on to him but at the same time it keeps happening so like you kind of think maybe she is coming on to him or at least starting to like him or something but like yeah. the way that they play that and then just have her say that she's not interested and then what happens that you're about to describe up until a certain point like I'm really proud of all the decisions that Reggie's making and I think that those sexual harassment courses have paid off well good for good for Reg you know you, you learn because um, well, he was definitely a sex pest in the last movie. Yes, he was. Well, Reg goes to sleep, but he wakes up in a cemetery. Uh, he hears some laughing, and he goes looking around, and he gets grabbed by Mike, appearing to be the tall man. Like, Mike, and he's dressed like the tall man, looks just like him. It is uh, not a good scene. Uh, makeup and everything, and it looks so yeah. much like him that it takes you a second to realize that it's Michael. Yeah, exactly. Um so uh, Reg wakes up, and then this is where he begins to perv on Jen just a little bit. Uh, she's asleep, and then he notices her boobs start moving. Um, well, he gets up and looks at yeah. her, and he does lay in such a way where you're like, "Oh, Reg, don't, don't, don't be a perv." And then, yeah, her boobs start twitching and moving and doing this weird shit. And then he goes from horny to scared and curious, yet still horny. Yeah. And he uh, opens the shirt, and she sees she has spheres, spheres for boobs. Uh, they come out, and they attack. Uh, he smashes one, but one then embeds into his hand and starts drilling into it. But he uses his tuning fork, and he hits it, and it, the sound makes it blow up. He then is going to leave, and Jen grabs him, and she's like, we're not done yet. And she's very much, like, dead-like. And he says, yeah, baby, we... And it, it pretty much like an Ash moment. And he goes, yeah, baby, we are. And he smashes her with a sledgehammer. And that ends that 20 minutes. Okay, just to dig in a little bit deeper. When Reg wakes up and looks at her and then her boobs start twitching, I just assumed that was a dream. Like one of those dream sequence things that turns out to be, you know, a tall man nightmare where you end up having to yeah. bite, you know, one of those yeah. kinds of things. Like that's what it felt like to me because it does really feel like those dream sequences in the other movies that turn out to be, you know, um, not really a dream <laughs> or someone wakes up and something horrible is happening. I feel like her body was set in such a way as to draw his attention, and then the movement was there. It was the whole thing's a trap. Everything with her has been a trap. Yeah. Um. I don't think she either survived the car crash or that she was set there for the tall man to slow Reggie down. Uh, in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Maybe I. I don't know. But the the sphere boobs are fucking hilarious. The sphere boobs are hilarious when they start moving underneath the shirt. <laughs> like, all right. 
Well done. Yeah, this is. Uh, I'm. I'm very happy to see Reggie be as respectful as you could expect in 1998. I suppose, and significantly yeah. better than the sex pest Reggie we had in 1994. Just one movie. Oh, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, and uh, we're also heading into the final 30 minutes here, where shit's about to get real. Yeah, everything's coming to a head. We don't know if we're talking time and relative dimensions in space, or just relative dimensions, and then sometimes time. Um, we, we're not sure where we're at, and if any of this even is real, or it's all in Michael's head. We have no clue. Yeah, yes, you're, you're exactly right. Um, so final 30 minutes, Mike, uh, he writes to Reggie. And he says he's going to try and stop the tall man from ever existing in the first place. The tall man says Mike will go where he wants him to. Uh, all of a sudden, Mike is now he goes through one doorway, and now he's in a city, an empty city. And uh, he sees the tall man running after him. He runs away and runs into Jody and asks what this place is. And Jody says it's not where, it's when. And they gotta go before he becomes infected. Uh, then Reggie shows up into Death Valley. Reggie arms up with the four-barrel shotgun and gets in his best ice cream man uniform. This was badass. This was a total suiting up Evil Dead moment. Yep. It was great. Oh, yeah. Reggie looks for Mike as Mike goes running through a door in the city and ends up on a beach. Um, Reggie, cut back to Reggie. He finds Mike's homemade sphere. Uh, Reggie starts looking around and he kills a dwarf. He's all of a sudden about to get swarmed. Uh, we cut to Mike hearing shots off in the distance. Uh, Reggie, we see, has killed them all with the gun, and then the two guys show up, Jody and Mike. Uh, Mike hugs Reg and tells him not to trust Jody, and Reggie slips Mike the tuning fork. Yeah, that was really cool, the way that they did that. Like, these yeah. guys, these guys have this shit down, like, they know These guys how to... have a brotherhood, man. They, yeah. They did a lot. <laughs> They've been through a lot. War changes a man, Matt. Yeah. Jody and Mike, they go back to the beginning of it all. And that's our final clip. This is the night, Mike. The night when it all started. As Undertaker, he bore witness to the stark passage from life to death. But the more he put in the grave, the more questions he had. He came to the conclusion that the answers were before him. Hidden in subjects as simple as shifting phases, vibration, warmth, and cold. It became his life's work, his passion, to learn the craft, find the rift, and make his way through that passage. This is the hour. The time has come. After Jebediah leaves the room, Jody says he never comes back as Jebediah ever again. And he will only, and then as he says that, the tall man comes through. Jody and Mike leave, and the tall man, uh, uh, and the tall man states, so it begins. Jody and Mike are in the graveyard, and Jody attacks him, but Mike kills Jody, and then walks away, and when walking away, Jody gets back up and tackles him. Mike wakes up on a table, much like in the second movie, he's strapped down, and Jody and the tall man hold a ball to the side of his head and it starts drilling. However, Mike's able to get the tuning fork out and he hits it, and this causes the tall man to pause. Mike's able to grab the hand holding this metal sphere and pushes it up into Jody's neck. 
Mike able he gets loose. Tall man wakes up, but he pauses him again. Using the Jody tuning fork. Then, yeah, tuning fork. Yep. Uh, Jody then whispers in his dying breath to Mike that he actually died in the car wreck. There, there's nothing left of Jody here. So don't listen to any more Jodies that come maybe sprawling around. He's he's just not a, he's not into it. See um, what is happening here could have very easily been something that happened before all these other Jodies showed up because we have no idea where we are in the timeline that this all happens in anyway. Yeah. Um, the tall man then you know takes the takes the tuning fork away from Mike, and Mike runs away back to Reg. Uh, the tall man comes through. Reg gets ready to shoot him, but he for some reason gets in almost like a trance, and the tall man tosses Reggie. Mike makes his fear come alive and attack the tall man, who laughs it off, saying it's like a toy. Then Mike goes into sphere eyes, and the car starts glowing white from the engine. It blows up, taking the tall man with it. So, hey, not bad. Um, what a glorious explosion, too. That was humongous. Yes, it was great. Yeah. Uh, a, another then tall man walks through one of the doorways, and he takes his uh, uh, a ball out of, and then he grabs Mike and takes the actual sphere out of Mike's head. That was grody. Tall, yes, that was. The tall man then leaves through one of the doorways. Well, Reg gets up, he gets to Mike saying, hey, you're still alive, but Mike states, I'm I'm dying, Reggie, I'm dying. Reggie says, hey, I'll come back for you. And then Reggie runs and grabs the gun and goes through the doorway. We cut to a late night, and young Mike is walking down the road, and uh, he hears like Reggie's voice saying, you're still alive, you're still alive. Reggie then drives up, and it's old, it's, a, it's young Reggie in the ice cream truck, and he picks him up, and they're driving, and Reggie hears, I'm dying, Reg, I'm dying, like a whisper. He said, Reggie asks if Mike had heard anything, and Mike says, it's just the wind, and they drive away. Roll credits. Given everything that we've been shown and the title of the film, I believe the oblivion that we are seeing is Michael's death, Michael dying. This film is the fractured memories of your life flashing before your eyes in the moment of death. So the film that we are seeing is everything that goes through his brain when that ball is ripped out of his head. Mm-hmm. which I would say immediately happens right after he walks out of the mortuary and goes on this journey because the tall man's inside his head the entire time. Then where's Reggie going right now? Through that through that portal? Yeah. So Reggie must have a plan of how he's going to try to save Mike. Is that even Reggie or is that just Mike's perception of Reggie or a memory of Reggie think, always saving the Reggie. day? I don't think I think I think somehow Reggie took a portal back to the past. And they're both trying to talk to one another in this past from the future. Oh, no. I just assumed that that was Michael's death and he's being taken back to a better, happier but then why time. Is That's what Reggie we're seeing. Hearing, I'm still, uh, I'm dying, Mike. And why is Mike hearing, you're still alive? Or why is Reggie hearing, I'm dying, Reg? And Mike's hearing, you're still alive, Mike. I think they're talking to one another. From different moments. I just think that's also a symbolic thing. I guess we'll find out in the the fourth movie or the fifth movie. The final movie. Yeah. Uh, Don't expect any answers for any questions that you have. Always just expect more questions for the answers that you get. (laughs) Oh, 
Jesus. Yeah. Well, I told you. Times. Yeah. No, no. I just assumed that that was symbolic of Michael's death. Like Michael is remembering a happier time, but Reggie telling him he's going to be okay is getting him like distracted from this, you know, yeah. brain twitch. I, I don't know. That's. I think everything was as real as it can get in the phantasm all the way up to uh, all the way like to the end. And I think Mike is currently dying and, and doesn't know, you know, is he is dying. And I think Reggie is trying to use the doorways to find a way to save him. I don't think Reggie's in the past. I would accept that wherever Reggie went, he is in, he may be in Michael's mind and maybe he's traveling through those memories that Michael was in. And maybe Reggie is trapped in there. And if Michael dies with Reggie in those portals through his memories, because the more he went through, the more that was opening up. It was like a convergence of all of these different memories where like his life is literally collapsing in on itself. Like he's literally been dying this entire time that we've been seeing the movie. That's how I'm interpreting it. You don't have to agree with me, but that's just how I see it. Yeah, I, I'm not going to agree with you on that one. Okay. We we're so close throughout this whole thing. <laughs> I think everything was as real as real can get in the Phantasm uh, uh, universe. Uh, I will. I think hey, right hey, now Mike is laying dying Matt, and I, Reggie's going through portals to try to help him. Matt, I will give you that the things that we were seeing that were happening with interactions with Michael may have been things that have happened before in the past with his battle with the tall man. And I believe that him being carried on his way through the journey is symbolic of his actual death when he's being carried to where it is that he's going in the hearse. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty spot on. And his choice is... Uh, his choices take over for the tall man and die and because he was defiant until the end or die and so the tall man took the sphere back and now he is dying and what we are seeing is all of these various memories of things that probably did happen with all of his battles with the tall man and at the very end he is dying and the last thing that we get is this little memory of them traveling together in the past from the original movie like one of those outtake things that they reused but I believe that's symbolic of Michael going on to the afterlife or whatever the afterlife is supposed to be and the things that Reggie's talking about, you know, but I'll give you Reggie may be jumping into his mind. That's a possibility, but I don't think they can really jump into the past. I think they're only being shown memories or traveling into the minds of each other and the dimensions that you're able to travel through. You're only able to affect the worlds that you're in if you are physically there, but you can travel into someone's mind, like the dimensions of their memories, things like that. Like that's where these dimensional forks will take you. Well, I guess that's not so bad either. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that Michael stays dead, but what I'm saying is Michael definitely dies at the end of this movie, and that is All what right. is happening. They say that specifically, yes, that's how it was intended. Whether or not Michael oh, okay. stays dead, because this is a phantasm series, no one yeah. fucking stays dead. We've seen Reg die like seven times. Listen, Reg should just be fucking full on dead. If not from Phantasm and like the, if not from like all the fucking, uh, you know, spheres and shit, at least STIs. Cause something <laughs> tells me Reg was never really all that picky and didn't really care about using condoms. Well, he was a child of the sixties. Very yeah. clearly. He says things like groovy and actually means it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and only sailors use condoms. <laughs> they really should. The filthy buggers, they go from port to port. Exactly. No, but I fully believe that the intention of Oblivion is Michael's death. Yes. Yeah, I like that. All right. I think the end you're right is Michael's death and him riding out into the death world. And maybe that those whispers of, you know, I'm dying, Reg, and Mike and Red saying, you're still alive, Mike. 
because those are pretty much the last few things they said to one another. Uh, maybe that's just them. Um, that's Mike as he's passing out hearing Reg saying that. Yeah, like in his mind, he's already in that world, but that's the conversation yeah. like in another part of his brain that, you know, as these different, the different parts are dying and they're not communicating. So it feels like this distant, ghostly, disembodied voice or something. Yeah. And again, that's just my interpretation. Your original interpretation of it, I'm not saying is wrong. I just mm -hmm. didn't see it that way either. Uh, I kind of like, I kind of like our kind of half agreement here where I think Mike is dying and them driving away is is him moving on. And those voices he hears, those are real voices. That is actually Reg, and it's also himself talking, but he's he's disassociated himself in his body. Yeah. So um, he, he's also, while he's present in that world, telling Reg, I'm dying, uh, he's also in this world moving on. That is actually verbatim how I was interpreting it, but wasn't saying it that way. I was just yeah. saying that it was symbolic of the death, but yes, I believe that is what is happening there. Um, again, not saying that Michael stays dead, because not even Reggie stays dead not. in this series, but yeah. that is supposed to be symbolic of his death. And I think it's really touching and really a beautiful moment. And the way that they reuse all this footage, I'm not going to lie, all of this like friendship that is going on between Reggie and Michael, you always wondered why mm. Reggie ended... Sorry, you always wondered why Reggie ended up taking care of Michael and now seeing these moments that were excised from the film it's a no brainer yeah. it's like Reggie's been taking care of him his whole life anyway it feels yeah, like they've, they've always been bros uh, I think Reg because of he is a, a very close relationship with um, the family and Jody with Jody uh, especially with Jody because they were best friends I think Reg was just another big brother to Mike yeah and uh yeah, I, I, I loved it. I love that this explains a lot to me. It makes me feel, uh, really good, uh, for them. You know, their, their, the, their kind of relationship, their friendship. It makes, it makes you sadder now because Mike's dying. They've had to live these years kind of like this. That kind of sucks. Well, so. it's it's really moving and it's really beautiful. And it's amazing that they had these really touching, beautiful moments between characters that really clearly a good reason to hang on to it because it works so well and it's functional. But then finding a way to make it tell the story that you need and to just have this emotional depth already on tap that you can just yeah. use. It's like you just you just basically hack or bootstrap this this complete emotional feeling of the their lives together and somehow get a new deepening part of the story just by using footage that you were forced for some reason or chose to for some reason not include in your original film which was every bit as good as the footage that you did like yeah like i agree it's so i don't want to say this but like it's so fucking b-movie brilliant it really is yeah. it's like like i got this shit and god damn it i'm gonna fucking use it so i'm gonna write my way around it and it's stuff like people like ed would have tried and failed to do stuff like this and don coscarelli pulls it off so amazingly i cannot just like i just can't geek out over this enough at how amazing he was able to pull this off for six hundred and fifty thousand fucking dollars and use this stuff that he already had in such a way to make me love this movie as much as i do does it have its flaws is it really hard to follow in some cases 
Absolutely. But every time I watch it, it's a moving emotional experience and I'm entertained and I have a shitload of fun and a zombie cop gets blown up and does a really long burn walk. And that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, and and the tall man shit in this is like back to full force. He must've been feeling better because he's doing so much more stuff, throwing shit around. around. Right. Right. So like we get, we get a really great, like tall man segments as well. And I mean, it really feels like they think this is going to be the last one that they're going to make. So they're going to answer all your questions and then leave you with more questions. Yeah. Of course. Right. And like for the longest time, we really did think that was it. But you know what, Matt? Next week is it. (laughs) Next week, it's it. It's all over. Yeah. I, well, we have talked this movie to death and we still got some feedback to do. So uh, why don't we we finish up here unless there's something else you got to say? Yeah, I have nothing else to say. Um, Again, just excellent movie and an excellent part of this and amazed about where it came from. I never expected a part four in a series to have as much emotional depth and just really, really emotionally wreck me like this one does. Like, but it's really yeah. moving and it's incredible. I and I just, I can't fucking believe it. I'm almost upset at how good it yeah. is at manipulating my emotions. It's like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but like in a good way. Yeah, of course, but respectful. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a Sweekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. So you liking the ending and kind of going along with me on the ride really makes it pay off that I chose that last perfect day to move into our section here for the feedback. Yeah. Because uh, it's that that moment where they're happy together and riding on the ice cream truck and, you know, just kind of smiling and having a good time. And I feel like that's a really great place to put it, you there know, you go. for us to all feel really, really good. But we don't have a lot of time to worry about how everybody feels because we just have enough. Time for incoming mail. 
All right. So I've been begging and pleading, and we have so far every week still had a piece of feedback. And this one comes thanks to my boy Boz. Lads, lads, lads. That's not a thing. Hello. I, I just <laughs> wanted to leave it as long as humanly possible. So far past the 300. I was going to wait till 350 to send the, the congratulations message <laughs> just because I'm that big of a git. It's Boz, by the way. Sorry, this is late. I am been so far behind on my podcast listening and everything else and uh, I am gradually catching back up um, don't worry I'm rubbish at impressions so I will not be doing a Michael Caine I was actually quite impressed by that I have to say <laughs> so 300 episodes well what you don't know is I actually did get ahead of the game um, but because I know what Matt's like um, I actually recorded a congratulatory message at around about show 220 um, and it's probably back in Matt's email but he wouldn't fucking know because he never fucking looks at it. So um, I just thought it'd be funny to leave it back there, but you'll never find it now, so it doesn't matter. So I'm recording you a new one just to say all these years in, I can't believe I'm still listening to the shite that you two spout every week, but it must be entertaining or I wouldn't come back. Uh, I don't know how you do it. I still don't know how you do it. Uh, the, the quality maintains. You've always got something to say each week. You always make me laugh. Um, and I just always love it when Matt gets trolled. So I, I think that will just never, ever get old. So uh, here is my congratulatory message. I love your faces, even though I don't know what one of them looks like. And uh, I probably don't want to either, do I, from what I've heard. So uh, love you both. Don't. Keep doing what you're doing. It's a fantastic show. And uh, if you ever need me, you know where I am. Oh, so sweet and loving. Thank oh, you so much, Boz. Oh, what a nice guy. Yeah. Now, Christ. he actually, he sent me something that he recorded while he was on the road that I forgot to use, like this short little clip. This was a, a little while ago. Like, I think when we first started, I think it was for episode 300 when we were kicking off the full franchise fest, right? Okay. And then he reminded me of it, like just kind of trolling me as, as you know, friends are want to do to each other. As one does. Yeah. As, as you do. And as uh, you do, uh, I went back and I grabbed it and I was going to record that. And then he went back and listened to it. He's like, no, don't use that. That's shite. And so he sent me this one uh, earlier today. Uh, he was supposed to actually email that to me. And he said that he did, but uh, I never I, got I the, believe he's a liar. I didn't so. get the email. I ended up having to hook my phone up to the console and just record it to get this to work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't so horrible, but I had to find that goddamn Apple iPhone lightning connector to, you know, eighth inch jack in to be able to make this work because I don't have Bluetooth yeah. in this setup. It's too old. <laughs> I should just do Bluetooth. I should just throw a Bluetooth hookup on this at some point. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, but seriously, thank you so much, Boz. That was very touching, very moving. And yes, we do need to have Matt be trolled much, much more. I'm always trolled. <laughs> I mean, you are existing only to be trolled at this point. I kind of think that's where I'm at. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus well we've got what like an hour 42 ish minutes raw episode complete with all the pausing and us like looking at each other like what the fuck is going on trying to figure out what's yeah. going on trying to figure out what the hell's going on in life yeah and i'm still super confused and i'm just i'm i'm just grateful for the feedback that we've got and then let's hope yes. that we'll have some next week when we close out year six and now we'll yeah. be on year seven after yeah. next week this is the year seven this is the pent ultimate episode of year six jesus 
And now it's over. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. making uh, a kind of habit of producing music that goes into the Phantasm series because that was Reggie's band. Oh, nice. I believe that is played at the end of Phantasm 4, although I don't think it was in the version that you and I watched because I believe we had the unrated version, and so I believe that it's slightly different at the end there. Did you remember that playing during the credits for you at any point? I think so, yeah. Okay, then maybe I'm just full of shit, so I just don't remember hearing it. <laughs> I, but I could be wrong. I, I, yeah, but apparently... Listen, man, my brain's still trying to figure out what the fuck we just watched. Yeah, apparently that was at the end credits of Phantasm Four at some point, or so it was said where I found it on the tube of you. Yeah, on those uh, YouTubes. Well, if you would like to find other examples where Court has taken the word of what was available on YouTube, that is available on all of our previous 310 episodes. It's better than Wikipedia. LegionPodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops.
If you would like to also know all the different times that Court may or may not have just used Wikipedia for information, that is also available at our main landing or launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. Like we got a book report due or something. <laughs> oh, Cliff Notes all the way, baby. Cliff's Notes all the way for that shit. Fucking A, man. If you'd like to find the Cliff's Notes of this podcast, probably the best place <laughs> to do that is our Instagram feed, which is a repository of all of our memes. You kind of get the gist of what Court thinks the show is about with that that cinema underscore psyops Instagram page. You can also sort of get the idea of what our fans think the podcast is all about at our Facebook group at Cinema Psyops. You kind of get an idea of what the fans think it's all about, although... It's just about fucking memes. (laughs) Which you will also get the understanding of it being all about memes at our Instagram, Cinema underscore Psyops. We're also available on our main landing and launching page. I'm stuck at a Floyd Hall, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. I'm available on Facebook and so is Matt. I'm available there as Court Psyops. Matt is not really available anywhere, but he exists there currently as Matt Psyop. I exist in the construct of the mind of the tall man. <laughs> right, like he'd bother with your dopey drunken ass. Probably not, but I mean, he did for some other people, so fuck it. <laughs> you can email feedback to Matt, but he isn't going to check shit at psyopmatt at gmail.com. Just more shame. You can email feedback to court and please do for the following week so that we can have the spree for the entirety of the full franchise fest. Cinema Psyops Court at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the porn bot filled heaven that is tweeting photos of badge at us every fucking day. I am yeah. at court underscore psyop there and he is at psyop Matt. And Twitter, thank you so much for showing us your private parts personally. Thanks, Twitter. <laughs> well, while you're out there tweeting tweets of your twats to a couple of twits, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. All right, cool. Are you rolling on your side yet? I am uh, rolling right now. Yeah. Well, maybe. Hold on. Yeah. Yes, I'm rolling now. One, two, three.
All right, awesome. I still have to reset all the clips from last week because apparently I didn't save before I closed out my sound plant program and therefore everything else is the same from the week before for some reason. How dare you. Yeah, well, it is what it is. This week is five clips again? This week again? is five as well, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, Jesus wept. Really hard to find decent songs that um, are about balls in some way, shape, or form that will actually be funny. Do you actually do like maybe goodness gracious great balls of fire? Yeah, that was one, but I, that just feels too obvious, right? Like anybody would think of that one. I suppose, but you would think with the male-dominated arena of music, especially when it comes to rock and roll, there'd be a ton of songs about guys singing about their balls because that's all they're going to fucking talk about. Well, yeah, but, like, no one specifically uses the word balls, and that's what I'm looking uh, for. Yeah, that's true. They they always come up with some kind of clever, arty, artsy, you know, idea. Right, like, the like the king of all of that is definitely um, ACDC. They wrote, like, four songs about balls in general, yeah. using the words balls. Like, either Listen, she's got balls or they've got the biggest balls, and this yeah. is balls and balls balls balls. balls 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 they're they were about explosions balls and going to hell that was all acdc was about <laughs> sometimes they were exploding balls and, and also uh, dirty deeds <laughs> which was also kind of about balls yeah which is also yes about balls so i mean in a sense they're about explosions balls and hell well i think oh. last week i chose uh, balls to the wall for the the pirate yeah. radio edit because reggie has pinned the wall with balls and i figured that would be perfect that I think that you're absolutely correct on that. <laughs> and then I did already use big balls for part two, but I didn't do that in part one. I really, or did I do that in part one? No, I just did it for part two. I don't think I, I think I used sitting here at midnight, like a longer version of it or the original version of it that uh, the original actor wrote. And I think I used that instead. got the biggest balls of them all. <laughs> all right. So you hearing this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, I'm rolling on my side. You're rolling on yours. Um, yes, sir. Got all the information. We got Phantasm 4. We even got a little bit of feedback thanks to my man, Buzz. So, yeah, I got everything, and I'm uh, ready to rock and roll. And uh, cool, cool. we'll figure out what to do for year seven whenever that comes around, because I still got to do the music for it. So, all right. <laughs> here we go. Whatever, whatever we're doing. Yeah, here we go. Um, hold on. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> this is going to be so fucking hard to describe, dude. It is so... Uh, it, my notes are all over the fucking place, and I still don't think I got everything. And uh, that's our next clip. The whole man hearing out entire town, and he's got your friend. Yeah. Tracking and Wait, hold on. Can we stop this? Yeah. Hold on. I fucked up. Give me a second here. All right. I am uh, making review copies for you of uh, all of my Blu-rays that are going to be year seven right now. I'm slowly but surely converting them. <laughs> but nice. All right. Uh, I fucked up and I missed a clip, so uh, I'll just have to walk through it. Uh, three, two, one. Hold on. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus. And I'm also dying. Highly sedated, intoxicated, we're automated and overpopulated.
Well, while you're out there tweeting tweets of your twats to a couple of twits, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. That was almost a tongue twister. I can't believe I got that, that out. Right? No shit. <laughs> All right, I have actually stopped courting, and I have to take a monster leak.